Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much for being here. Today I have Phil Stern, VP, Center of Excellence for Sales over at Main Sale Partners, headquartered out of San Francisco, but he's in Denver. Phil, welcome. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great. Listen, say hi, say hi to everybody and uh, a quick intro into who you are and a little about yourself. Well, all right. Hi, everyone. Um, like Paul said, I'm Phil Stern, based in Denver, really the southwest foothills. We live uh, in this beautiful community that backs up to the open space, so we get to do a lot of mountain biking and trail running right from the house. Um, uh, otherwise, I spend lots of time with my wife, Dana, and son, Everett, my dog, Woody, and anytime we can be out in the mountains is a good time for us. I love it. Well, listen, thanks very much for allocating the time. You know, Phil, the, the title of the podcast is Your Intention Matters, and that all stems from uh, everything starts with intention. It starts with the fire inside and nothing is really handed to anybody. And oftentimes what happens is individuals see the current version of Phil Stern and they'll, they'll make an assumption about you and how you got to where you are, but they didn't see the Phil Stern from 20, 30 years ago as you, you know, had a meandering career as, as so many of us do. So uh, I, I'm excited for you to share your story. I think it's a pretty cool one. You ready to go? Ready to go. Okay, good. So let's start with this. Uh, current state today, um, what is your why? What, what, what gets you going? Yeah, it, I love that question. The, the thing that, that really gets me going is um, supporting the people who I work with in any way that I can. And I know that's a really broad and vague statement, but when when you're a, a sales leader, which I did for, for about a decade, um, it's really just about growing the people on your team. And if they are growing in their roles and they have greater job satisfaction and come in happy and excited every day, they're gonna treat your customers better. And it's this virtuous cycle. Um, and all you had to do to get there was really invest in them, genuinely invest in them. And I think that's so important. So my why today is, is the exact same thing as it's been for more than a decade. It's just support the people who I work with and all the people who I get to interact with. Um, and in doing so, I think we create really happy, motivated people who do great work. All right, good. That, that That's a great foundation. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, I like to go back to the beginning or as far back as I can go, at least in terms of the your your career and, and when you were ready to get started here. So Phil, in your case, uh, let's go back to Bowdoin College in Maine. What did you graduate in? Yeah. So, uh, boy, thanks for calling this back for me, Paul. <laughs> so I was a music major, um, of course you were. which of course, every, every great sales leader started with music. But w what I like to say to anyone out there who's sort of rolling their eyes at me right now is music is, there's no better challenge for systems thinking than composing music. So imagine you have a, a symphony orchestra, all these different sounds, all these different timbres, all these different you know, dynamics of each of those instruments and all the different humans out there who are actually playing them. And your job is to organize them and create harmony in a way that the whole system itself is beautiful in the end. And, and so when you, when you, if you'll allow me that analogy, yeah. um, what, what, what being a, a composer and, and, you know, studying music theory for four years taught me was how to organize disparate systems into something that made sense. 
Um, and I consider myself to be a strong systems thinker as a sales leader. Fair enough. Fair enough. And so um, what was your first job, so to speak, um, once you finished? Yeah, you got me again. I was a math teacher. Okay. Um, of course, naturally, you're, you're, you're a music, you know, you study composition and then you go right into math. Now, Phil, um, now, Phil, you were able to tie in the, the music major into your vocation today. So I think math is going to be a slam dunk. So the floor is yours. <laughs> um, yeah, well, math is, math is interesting that, you know, I love math and obviously I think all of us as, as, uh, sales or business leaders, we use math every single day. I can't mm. tell you how often I call back to high school algebra to, uh, to make decisions, uh, for my teams. But, you know, if music was all about systems thinking, math was all about logic. Math was all about, you know, understanding, um, how we can use numbers to make better decisions. Um, but really one of the things that taught me very early on was the importance of, uh, of, customer service. And when you're a teacher, the parents are your customers and they are tough customers. And, um, and, you know, there's no, no, you know, they care so deeply about the well-being of their kids that um, it can make the, the relationship between the teacher and the parent really strained at times. And so um, that was a very good lesson for me as my next step finally was into the corporate world. So let's talk about that. So how long were you a math teacher and, and, and what was behind your decision to, to make that shift in your life? Yeah, so I taught math for three years. I was also a school administrator uh, in the latter half of that. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things led, led me. At the time, I was living in a small town in Colorado, uh, which was beautiful, but also a little bit insular. And, um, and I had a lot of family back east in Boston. And um, I was ready to kind of go and, and, um, and I suppose find something that really tapped into my competitive spirit. Um, and so when I moved there, I was really looking for roles in which I could be in a corporate environment. Um, I could, um, you know, start a career, something that would be long-term, something that would be really exciting. Um, but most importantly, I just wanted to find something where every single day I would get up and learn something new. And that's really what drew me from Colorado to Boston um, and then ultimately into Forrester Research. And so talk to me about that. So you, so did you go to Forrester after uh, ending your, your uh, teaching career? That's right. You did. Okay. And so what did you do there? So I started in the consulting group. Actually, I was in the consulting group my whole time. I started as a project manager. Then I was selling the projects. Then I led the team that was selling the projects, really how I got into sales and sales leadership. Um, and what I found, I, I found Forrester to be the, you know, education, the undergrad and maybe even master's degree in um, marketing and, and strategy um, that I didn't have an undergrad. And I say that because I got to work with so many amazing people, the analysts within Forrester who write the research and, and produce mm. the data, but then also all the amazing companies we got to work with and, and just all the interesting projects we got to work on. And what you got to see over time were all of the themes that emerged. So many businesses were struggling with the same challenges. This was the time when everyone was wondering how to have a social media strategy and when they should go mobile. Right. And, uh, this was really as iPhone and, and even still Blackberry were becoming mainstream. And so, um, it was really fascinating to be a part of the company through that digital transformation. Everybody was moving to the cloud. I mean, it's just these classic problems that we almost take for granted now that every single business was struggling. Oh yeah, the paradigm shifts that were happening at that time were uh, monumental. And so you're no longer at Forrester. How long were you there? What was your tenure there? 
How many years? I was there for about five and a half years. Five and a half years. Number of different roles, it sounds like, during that time. Yeah, maybe four or five different roles. Four or five roles in a a five-year span there. Um, Do you remember what caused you to make the shift, and and, and where did you go? Yeah, so I moved to a company called LogMeIn, wonderful software company, also based in Boston. Um, What made the shift was I, at that point in my time in Forrester, had been working with a lot of our uh, um, software startups. You know, I'd been doing a lot of marketing and strategy consulting for those those smaller software companies, and it made me realize one: this is a really exciting industry to be in. Just software as a service in general mm-hmm. um, is a really exciting industry. They're fast moving. The company cultures are all really interesting. You're you know you generally have really you know really engaged founders, uh, supportive investors, and you're in a high growth environment where sales and marketing really matter. Um, and so I moved to to log me in, um, being a high growth software company in Boston at the time, um, made a lot of sense. I had a couple of former colleagues there, so I made the connection and, and came over. And that was, boy, I, you know, I was only there for for 14 months or so, but that was the best education and inside sales um, I've had so far. And and I say that because they had this wonderful union between their sales leadership and their operations leadership. So the sales ops team, and they just use data and systems in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, highly inspirational, learned a ton, met a bunch of amazing people. I uh, thought they had a great product, but then like a lot of people um, that happens in their career, my phone rang um, and it was a very exciting opportunity again. Okay, and that opportunity was with? A company called Zen Planner, based in Denver. Okay, so you went to school in the Northeast in Maine. Mm -hmm. You then became a teacher in Colorado. Correct. Right. You then get back into the corporate America, so to speak, and then you go back east to Boston, and then the phone rings one day from a company called Zen Planner, and that's drawing you back to uh, Denver. That's that is true, and I am so grateful, and will be eternally grateful to my wife for the uh, encouragement and support she had. Because at that time, uh, you know, we owned our our house in Boston, and we had a wonderful life there. And I sort of, you know, I sort of put the phone on hold for a second, said, "Hey, you know, would you be interested in moving to Denver?" you know, when I'm like, well, like in four weeks. And uh, the answer was yes, which was just incredible. Like, again, I, I have a huge debt that I'll have to repay someday. Um, but so we packed up, uh, sold our house and moved to Denver in about a four week span. Well, everybody does that, Phil. Come on. Yeah, that's I know that's standard. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm curious about something, you know, I'm going to use a sports analogy here that the athletes have like a, a no trade clause, but sometimes they'll give the team a number of teams or cities that they're willing to go to. Uh, your your wife, uh, Denver, was on that list, but if it had been somewhere else, uh, would you still be in Boston, you think? Uh, potentially, yes. Well, right. that, that is, you, you, you really picked up on that point well. We Denver was on the list. She sort of had always had this interest in living near the mountains. Hmm. And so luckily for me, the offer was there and not somewhere else that that maybe didn't have some of the uh, natural amenities she was looking for. Okay. And so you make the move, you move your family to Denver uh, with Zen. How long uh, was your tenure with Zen? I was with Zen Planner for almost four years um, in a number of roles. And I was also there through um, 
through the company getting acquired. Um, and so for about three years prior to acquisition and then uh, a bit of time post-acquisition as well. Okay, fair enough. And then uh, were you uh, in transition before your next role or were you able to transition immediately once the acquisition uh, you kind of came to a close? After uh, post-acquisition, after my time at Zen Planner came to a close, I did actually start basically right away at Gusto. Okay. Um, and again, that was that was network related. I had um, met a recruiter at one point. Um, and really what I did was when I decided it was time for me to move on from Zen Planner, um, I reached out and said, hey, I'm looking. And um, he started sending a few opportunities over and Gusto was the fourth one, and 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 the thing that really drew me to it, and the, it was the same thing that that drew me to Zen Planner and logged me in, is it was a, it's a company that serves small businesses, and the success of small businesses is really at the core of everything they do. And um, I, I, you know, my mom was a small business owner. I just have such a deep passion for that as just as as the backbone of the American economy, um, and the importance. It, it, that, that uh, software can play in helping the small business owner kind of unlock time in their week to go and pursue their passion, which is you know the business that they open versus doing the books or payroll or mm. you know sales and marketing for their business is really like the, the software in this case can unlock so much potential for them more than I've seen in enterprise. I, I understood, makes perfect sense. So pretty good environment there. Uh, take me back to uh, your decision to move on from them as well. I know. Gosh, this is a theme. We have a theme going here, Paul. No, we all do. Um, we all do, right? <laughs> so, yeah, Gusto and another place. And by the way, um, I should say I feel incredibly fortunate and, and humbled that I've had the opportunities that I've had. This is um, it, it's it's not lost on me that there have been amazing places to work and amazing opportunities along the way. Um, so with Gusto, another truly amazing company, um, they are going to do such incredible things. They continue to do such incredible things. They already have accomplished incredible things. Um, but then the phone rang again. Um, and in fact, it was the same person who had called me in, in, uh, in 2014 uh, to get me to come to Zen Planner. And he called again, and he's, he's a good friend. And he said, hey, we're, we're going to launch this center of excellence at, at the firm, and we'd love to have you come and lead it for us. Um, and like the other opportunities that came up, I saw it as this just really interesting intellectual challenge that gave me the opportunity to support a lot of different sales and growth leaders. Um, and I just knew that that would be something I'd be excited to get up for every day. You know, Phil, here in the U.S., we have, call it, 350, 400 million people almost you know, here. And, and obviously not everybody's an adult, but call it 200 million, <clears throat> pardon me, working adults and professionals. Um, what is it about you? And this is a difficult question for some people to answer, but what is it about you that you think that people are finding you and your phone is ringing to, to want you to be a part of you know, their environment when there's, there's no shortage of top talent out there, really? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It is harder to say about yourself than it would be for someone else to answer. What I think um, has, has helped me, I, I think it's sort of two, maybe three things. I think one <clears throat> is, um, for me, it's always about the investment in the people who I work with. And I mentioned that earlier in, in the podcast, but um, it's really about developing the people and giving the people around you opportunities 
Um, and, th and that's really how you create success for yourself too, because your whole team's talent level will rise and the results will follow and that, and, it, and it's good. So it makes it a, a really nice cycle. Um, but I think that, um, and I think the fact that um, I have just a values-based leadership approach to leadership that um, I, I take very, very seriously. And um, I think the companies I've worked with have, have seen that, and known that and understood that about me and appreciated it. Um, and I think when, you know, if, if, I think the reason the phone has kept ringing is because they know they're going to get the same person that, that did work for them that they appreciated and liked, you know, five years ago or seven years ago. Well, I appreciate your, your willingness to answer that question. It's always hard to, you know, it makes it sound like we're pumping our own tires and I'm not trying to do that, but it's, it's always hard to, to, to say why me. But I, I think your answer um, it was a clearly very, very true considering what you've been able to create with your career. And it's been early days for you at Mainsail. But from what I know, from what you shared with me and what I understand about the company, they're on the move. So uh, things are good so far. I love it. Um, it was the easiest part of my decision to join Mainsail was the people at Mainsail. Um, having been in their portfolio and knowing a lot about their approach, um, I really knew what I was walking into. And in, in, in the first day, just, you know, the, the, the way the team welcomed me, the way, you know, I felt valued right out of the gates. I just knew that I had made a great decision and um, that I was working with a group of people who I, I think we were going to do really cool things together. And you get to stay in Denver. And I get to stay in Denver. Yes. Imagine if I asked my wife to pack up and move again. Yeah, we're going somewhere else. Weeks. I don't know. Might, especially, especially with a son now in the picture, it's not quite yeah. uh, the, the same scenario, right? Yeah, I don't know yeah. that that one would have flown. Yeah. Well, well, listen, you know, I love Denver. I don't live there. Um, well, it's a great town. Um, are you a Broncos fan? You can't live in Denver without supporting the Broncos, right? Yeah, boy. Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey, by the way, spent a lot of time in New England, and now I've lived in Denver twice. So um, to be fair, I'm really a person <laughs> with, without a team at this point. Um, the joke on the Mainsail website is I just hope everyone has a good time out there because I just <laughs> I don't have a strong enough allegiance, although anyone in Denver listening to this is probably going to come and egg my house or... Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Phil, thanks so much for taking the time to share your story. Last question for you. Uh, if somebody were to ask you for a piece of advice, uh, whether they're getting their career started or they're knee deep into it, uh, anything that uh, you'd love to share if, if somebody came to you uh, with one piece of advice? Yeah, um, I would say the the most valuable um, thing for me has to, uh, has to have been a mentor. And so my advice to anyone out there is to to, to find an opportunity to be a mentor. And it doesn't have to be to a business leader. It doesn't have to be to an up and coming superstar. It can be to, uh, to a, um, a person in your community who needs mentorship. It could be through a nonprofit. Um, but I, you know, I think a couple things. One, I think the more that we can all invest in each other and create a, a really strong community of people who care about and take care of each other, uh, the better. And two, uh, you just learn so much about yourself as you're helping somebody else. And um, I think both those things are really, really important um, in developing self-awareness as your career progresses. And there is no downside to investing in other people. And so it's what a great way to spend time. Very well said, Phil. Great advice.
Thank you. You're welcome. So listen, thanks again for being here. I think we'll wrap this one up. Well, thank you so much for having me, Paul. This was an absolute pleasure, and, and uh, I'm thrilled to have been on your podcast. The, the pleasure was mine. So thanks again, Phil, for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember that your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and we'll see you next week. Go Leafs, go Raps, and for Phil, go anybody. <laughs> Thank you.